All right, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I am your host. That intro song was uh, one created uh, by my friend um, Bethany, and I was just trying to find her Spotify because she has a lot of great stuff on Spotify, and she made that for me back when I was looking to get an intro song. And um, uh, I just thought it was a good one. So I wanted to share it. And, um, and then I was going to try to find uh, uh, her Spotify. Uh, I think it's uh, Citrine. C-I-T-R-I-N-E. That's who made this song that I just played. So check it out. She's got a lot of other great stuff on there. Very fun. We have an exciting podcast. I went home to visit family, and um, and that was a lot of fun. I'm going to talk about that. I got shows this weekend. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to attempt to talk about the Mark of the Beast, right? I said I'd like to talk about that, and then a couple of people reached out to me and said that they're excited about that, and uh, so then it felt I felt like the pressure was really on, so then I was like actually trying to do research, and then I was like, wow, this seems too deep. You know, I mean, I didn't intend for this podcast to become, this was supposed to be the we're having a good time podcast. We're always just having a good time, right? We're just, we're, you know, as the first intro song I had by Joe Denham, living, laughing, loving, we're having a good time. And, um, but you know, when I started the podcast, I was um, just beginning, my career was just beginning to take off. I was living at an apartment complex in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And then things started to go well, and I moved to the west side of Nashville, living in a big apartment building. And then I bought a house. It was just up, up, up. We're having a good time. And then we had a global pandemic, right, where things are still good. I am still having a good time. Um. I got a lot of gigs coming in. I just put out a poster by my my friend uh, Mickey Cox or uh, McKinley uh, Designs. And uh, if you like that poster that I put out today on Instagram, it is his Instagram handle is um, my all my Internet is super slow right now. Nothing is working fast, but it's McKinley Cox Design at McKinley Cox Design on Instagram. He does great stuff. It's a picture of me on Bruce Lee's body and um, talking about my shows coming up for December. I have a lot of shows. And I'm on Instagram at Dusty Slay. I'm at, at uh, Twitter at Dusty Slay. And I'm on TikTok at Dusty Slay. Uh, currently, my Facebook is still hacked. I still don't have access to it. But I did get on the phone yesterday with people from Facebook and... Um, and we'll see how that turns out, but uh, it's still hacked. It's still gone. It's still disappeared. So for now, I only have the three, but I'm very famous on TikTok. My TikTok has exploded. I don't know if people know that I'm on there, but 
All my other social medias, they're like okay on the amount of followers. Like I, you know, I don't feel ashamed of my follower count, but I also am not like, look how famous I am. But on TikTok, I have 180,000 followers, and that's amazing to me. Um, but my latest video, I had a video that I put out, not the latest one, but the latest one that I recorded, I put out a cartoon. It didn't do as well. I thought it was funny, but it didn't do well. Um, but I had 1.9 million views on my video on COVID jokes. And that's amazing. I wish that I had uh, record. I've tried to do them since. It was just kind of an on-the-fly thing. I wasn't really, I didn't really go in there uh, being like, I'm about to do these jokes. Th those are just off-the-top kind of riffs and... Uh, it really resonated with people. Some people were angry with me because uh, they didn't think that I was taking the virus serious enough. And they were going, and they were going, you're doing this comedy during a pandemic. And they were like, where's your mask? And it's like, you know, a as most people know, if they listen to this podcast, I think that, uh, you know, the world has gone insane. And um, I am not buying it totally anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I know that something's going on and that people are getting sick and people are dying. And I am not trying to say that that's not real. Um, but um, I just, I watch everything and I listen to everything. And so it's like, and I just find that the information they put out constant, constantly is contradicting uh, the last information they put out. Like, Fauci was like, don't wear a mask. And then he was like, okay, maybe you should wear a mask. But it's like, he's a specialist in these kind of areas. And it's like, uh, I know that the virus is new, so to speak, but it's like, that dude should know and not be giving us conflicting information. And then he was like, I don't know if he said the schools should close down, but everybody was freaked out, started closing all the schools. All these kids are having to sit at home and learn on a computer. And then Dr. Fauci's like, uh, actually, you know, you don't really need to close the schools. Kids, kids are fine. And so it's like, well, dang, we've been closed and people's lives have been changed and uprooted and uh, and now you're like, oh no, we, you don't have to close the school. So the information is so conflicting. And I know people personally that have gotten the virus and some of them are the type of people that wear masks all the time and never leave their house. And then I know other people who, uh, you know, who are free with it and they've gotten it. Right. So I'm like, I don't know. I just don't think there's any escape. I don't think you escape the virus with a, a cloth mask that you made at your house. Um, you know, my understanding of a, a doctor wearing a surgical mask is that so he doesn't, you know, drop stuff into open wounds of the body. And I know that that's also people's thought process with the mask is that, well, if you spit when you talk or you sneeze or you cough, the mask will catch it. But I can't do it. I mean, I again, I do it when I got to do it, but I just stay away from people when I go to stores. And don't have the mask. I just don't get close to people. I don't, I'm not trying to crowd their space. They said, you know, social distance or if you can't wear a mask. Well, I always can social distance. So I just think it's wild out here. I don't even know what got me talking about that, but I spent a long time on it. But 
So my Facebook, oh yeah, I remember now. So all of my ins, uh, social media is at Dusty Slay. And if you want to follow that, I got some fun stuff on there. Um, but I put a new poster on Instagram and it's pretty sweet. Uh, I went home for Thanksgiving. That was a lot of fun. I got to, uh, we didn't do our normal thing. We had a lot of old people in the family and I guess they decided not to do uh, the normal big gathering. So... Uh, you'll be happy to report that I did travel, but um, I didn't gather in any any group really larger than eight people. I hung out with my dad, my stepmom, and my sister, and my brother-in-law, and my wife. And we had a great dinner, really good. And uh, turkey, dressing, cranberry sauce, the essentials. Um, my stepmom, Martha, really hooked it up. And then uh, I went to see my Aunt Cat. My Aunt Cat gave me some tea cakes, which I love. I think it's the best cookie in the world. Um, uh, and I've eaten quite a few, and they're delicious. I saw my Aunt Cat. It's great to see her. Uh, you know, my Aunt Cat is 93, and she was talking about, you know, like everybody has their 9-11 stories. Aunt Cat had a JFK story, you know. Uh, just about where she was at when they heard that JFK got shot. And I just thought, wow, that's interesting. And, um, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be 93. I mean, imagine what someone that's 93 has seen in their lifetime. I want to get Aunt Cat on the podcast, but I don't know how to do that. I'd like to do it, though, because uh, she's seen some stuff. That's for sure. Uh, so then I went to my mom's house in Opelika, and uh, hung out with my, oh, man, that, that was a bit of a gathering. We might have had more than eight people there. Um, uh, but they were, some of the, most of them were kids, so they couldn't get it. My nephew, my nephew that, if you watch my video of me going through Colorado, that's my nephew there. And he's now married and has a baby. So he has a newborn, and I held the newborn and played with the newborn, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, and then there's other kids, my kid Grayson, you know, my brother-in-law there, uh, Gerald, he said to me, I was listening to your podcast the other day and I was like, oh no, what have I said? You know what I mean? I forget that my family can listen to my podcast uh, sometimes. You know, I just get on here and I just talk because I'm just here in a room alone. And so I, you know, I don't know why I think that I'm just talking into some private world. And I was like, oh no, what have I said? And he was like, you shocked me the other day on the podcast. And I was like, oh gosh. But he said, I, I, I shocked him when I said crazy AF, right? Like if people don't know, that's crazy as F, right? And I love to say that, as F or AF, because it gets the whole point across of what you're trying to say, but you're not actually dropping an F-bomb. That's what I like, the impact without the full impact. But we had a great time. They also had a good meal. I had more turkey, more dressing. And then I had like an apple pie. It was a store-bought apple pie, but it was too much. I mean, it was good, but then I was like, okay, that was my mistake today. But I ate, oh, my stepmom made me some peanut brittle. And, you know, all, all around, it was a great trip. We, me and my mom and, and, and Hannah, we went for a walk. It was nice. And then that night, I went over and I saw my friend Shane, Shane uh, Newsom, who I haven't seen in a long time, and my friend Will Scarborough. And we all hung out. Um, and Shane shed behind his house, and uh, it was great. I had a cigar back there, 
And um, I was talking to my dad about, uh, you know, he has this neighbor. Now, his neighbor has passed away, but his neighbor had a son named Jeff. And when I was a kid, I remember Jeff, uh, I remember being at church and hearing about Jeff drove his truck through his ex-wife's living room, like and broke a couple of his ribs, like drove the truck right through there. Apparently, he rode a bike from New York City. Apparently, Jeff has done quite a bit of drugs. He used to say, he had said there was a trailer park there, and my dad lives in this town called Pennon, P-E-N-T-O-N, Pennon. Uh, you know, it seems like it would be pronounced Penton, but if you say Penton, they're like, or Penton, they know you're not from there. It's, it's, it's Pennon. And uh, like two N's, like P E. N-N-A-N, Pennon. Um, but there was a trailer park up there for a while, and, and Jeff used to say, uh, apparently, he never told me this, but he said, I bought drugs all over this country, and he said, you can get about anything you want right up there in that trailer park in Pennon. And I'm like, who knew that it was such an international drug dealing thing going on there? But that's what he used to say, but... Apparently, Jeff had done quite a bit of drugs in his life, and one time he rode a bike. He he went to work for the circus for a while, and and then he drove a a bike. I guess he rode a bike. You don't drive a bike. Rode a bike, a bicycle, from New York City down to Georgia, and he stopped at a payphone to call his dad to tell him where he was at and what he was up to and said that he was headed down to Florida. And his dad was like, well, I could use your help bailing hay so he's like well if you'll come down here and get me i'll come help and so that's what jeff did jeff was just a real nomad that would just travel the country doing whatever um and apparently he did a lot of drugs but he just seemed to be very resilient i saw him a couple of times i saw him you know several years ago and he had a huge beard and he heard i had been doing comedy and he told me a couple of jokes um and uh I guess he fell down an elevator shaft. He was, you know, staying in this uh, either abandoned building or a building that was just currently under construction. And he fell down an elevator shaft and broke his back and then climbed out of there to get to the hospital. And um, I don't have a real point to tell him that, but I just remember thinking about Jeff. And that's another guy I'd love to have on the podcast. But chances are he had beat me up and take my equipment. But um, I actually don't think so. I think Jeff is a very nice guy, but he just, he likes the adventure. He's like uh, the guy from the movie Big Fish. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. It's a um, movie by the guy who does all the weird stuff. He did the first two Batmans, the director, Nightmare Before Christmas, that guy. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. It'll come to me. But he, um, it's like that movie Big Fish, but if the main character of Big Fish was doing a bunch of drugs and never got married. Actually, he did get married. He had a kid. I used to play, his kid's about my age. We used to play together, but apparently his kid's off doing the same thing he's doing now. But hey, who doesn't love a little adventure? I know I do. I'm all about it. Let's get into some stuff. So this weekend... Where we've been, where we're going. Where they gone. Where they been. 
Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going, where we've been. All right. So uh, I've been nowhere. But this Saturday, this past Saturday, I did comedy at the Grand Old Opry. It was my 12th time doing the Opry. They were at 25% capacity, which meant there was 1,100 people inside of a 4,400 seat theater. And they were spaced out and they were all wearing masks. And that made for a weird show. But I got to do about 20 minutes, which is the longest amount of time I've done at the Opry. And I did the full, it's five o'clock somewhere joke that I have, the breakdown. And that was really fun. It wasn't quite the standing ovation I was hoping for, but (laughs) I think it's just a difficult time in general. But wow, it was a great time. And right when I came off stage, there was Trace Adkins, a country singer that I had talked, country singer and actor that I had talked to several times, but he was waiting for me there as I came off. And we stood and talked for a bit without our mask on. And then the security guard from the Opry, who I uh, had become friends with, came over. And you could tell he hated to say it, but he was like, guys, you got to put your mask on. And so we both put our mask on, but our conversation ended shortly after that. But it's fun. Trace Adkins seems to be a fan of my comedy, and that's fun because uh, I'm a fan of his music. Honky Tonk, Badonka Donk, Every Light in the House is On. And he was in the movie Lincoln Lawyer as a biker. I saw that the other day. And uh, there was to talk about us doing a show together on The Circle. And uh, Circle Network, that's the Opry's network, but we'll see. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's fun to be back at the Opry, to, to do my 12th time at the Opry. It feels good. One day I hope to be an Opry member. That may not ever happen, but I'm just saying, I hope for it too. Um, and uh, But very exciting stuff. This past Monday, I did comedy again at Zany's. Every Monday night, so far, I hope they continue it. I don't know how long they'll do it, but I hope they continue it. But every Monday, they have new material night. So I'm getting to go and work out jokes, and that's a lot of fun because, uh, you know, I don't really have a spot to work out jokes unless I'm just doing it, um, you know, during my shows, which is what I've been doing. But it's, it's nice to have a spot to just go work on them. But this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, possibly Sunday, it's not on the website. I'm not sure if they'll do a Sunday show or not, but every time I've been there, I have. I'll be at the Punchline in Atlanta. I was just in Atlanta, but because of all the stuff that's going on, they're just looking at different ways of booking, trying to get people to come back more often that that live uh, uh, fairly locally. And so I'm all about it. I love the club. I love going there. I love Atlanta. So I'm excited to be going back. Uh, My friend Chance Willie is going to be featuring for me. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, Evan Burke featured for me last time. But Evan Burke uh, will be the house MC at the Comedy Bar here in Nashville for the month of December. So he'll be out and about doing it, making it happen. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be in Atlanta, Georgia from uh, starting tomorrow, December 3rd through the 6th, potentially. But I would say don't bank on a Sunday show. Come see me Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Either way, that I'm supposed to do seven shows, I'm told. But there's not the seventh one on the website. So I'll be doing one show Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday. So I'll be wore out. But it's going to be a good time. I'm pumped about it. Um, also had somebody 
message. Oh, did I? Did my microphone go out? What happened? Is it still? Okay, it didn't go out. My headphones went out. Um, I had somebody message me about this song. I'm going to play a little bit of it. And they, they asked, this is what they said. They just sent a message to me. And they said, they said, next song review, question mark, question mark. And then they posted the song. So I'm going to play the song a little bit, but, um, all right, here we go. This is George Strait, 2001. New millennium, George Strait. If there's a plane or a bus leaving Dallas, I hope you're on it. If there's a train moving fast, down the tracks I hope you caught it Cause I swear out there ain't where you ought to be So catch a ride catch a cab Don't you know I miss you bad but don't you walk to me Baby, run Okay, so what I'll say, just in short, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of this song. Honestly, I've never been a fan of this song. I love George Strait. I mean, I think George Strait is like one of the greatest country singers ever. Um, I think he's awesome. And uh, I don't think it gets any better than George Strait. But I do not like that song. I don't even know how. I mean, I just, the reason I don't like it, there's a song that I like, and I've played it here before. I know I have. But it's it's like, a, this is, I mean, this is the kind of, I mean, so if we're th- talking strictly love song, George Strait, this is the type of song I like. This is one of the best. I've played it. But it's been a while. Little piano. Said goodbye in Marina Del Rey. I had a good time was the last thing I heard her say. Had a good time. We're having a good time. As I walked away. And on the plane back to Tennessee. My mind comes across her memory And yesterday In Marina Del Rey On a hidden beach under a golden sun She spread a blanket that we laid down on And loved the world's way Now, see, that is the kind of George Strait song I like because that song has me like, it has me almost like, um, 
reminiscing memories that I don't have. You know what I'm saying? That's a powerful song where you're like, you listen to it and you're like, oh man, and you're like yearning for a memory that you don't even have. That's a good song. I mean, that's probably some type of uh, mental manipulation, but it is a good song. I mean, these songs, they really know how to play with our emotions. But I mean, I am so into like old school George Strait that it's hard for me to like the run song but i know people like it but i'm just saying that is not like so much new country i'm not into like 1985 george Strait, right here i mean it doesn't get better than this well excuse me but i think you got my chair No, that one's not taken, I don't mind If you sit here, I'll be glad to share Yeah, it's usually packed here on Friday nights Oh, if you don't mind, could I talk you out of a lie? I mean, and this one 1986. I mean, love song, George Strait, unbelievable. I burn with desire each time my heart fans the fire to that old flame that burns inside of me. I mean, think about that lyric. I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure George Strait never wrote any of these songs, but I burn with desire each time my heart fans the fire to that old flame that burns inside of me. Wow. That's a great lyric. She cried when I left her. Now I cry to forget her. Oh, how foolish I was to ever want to leave. I mean, in the end, at this point in my life, I don't really get into um, so much of, of the lyrics, especially love songs, because it's like, um, it's just, uh, it's just words. I mean, somebody sets down, they write a song, and they think of the sweetest things they could write down. And and they put it into a song, and then we uh, hear it, and we think, oh, that's how love is supposed to be. And then we're constantly walking around here disappointed because it never turns out like that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've definitely uh, saw a woman before, and I've looked at her, and I've I've, and then I have the ability to kind of imagine a whole thing that happens. And I've done that lots of times. You imagine a whole, uh, you can, you know, and then uh, on occasion, I've done that. And then end, uh, ended up being able to date that woman and then it not work out. And it's like, 
but we have it in our minds uh, because of love movies and uh, romantic comedies and and songs that everything is just supposed to be like this. And it's just not, in my opinion. I mean, maybe somebody out there is like, actually, that's my relationship right now is just like a romantic comedy. And that's great. That's amazing. But I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, I'm married, happily married. I love my wife. But I, um, you know, I just don't think that a a long-term relationship is like a uh, country song that you listen to. I mean, this this Marina Del Rey song that we listened to with George Strait, I mean, this is most likely not a song about love, but a song about lust. I mean, this guy's like, let's go again. All right. Mar- All right, here we go again. Let's one more time thinking lust, not love. Okay, Marina Del Rey. Say goodbye in Marina Del Rey. I had a good time was the last thing I heard her say. As I walked away. Okay, so we said goodbye in Marina Del Rey. I had a good time was the last thing I heard her say as I walked away, right? They had a good time. Right? They got into it. They were down on the beach. They had a good time. And on the plane back to Tennessee, my mind comes across her memory. And yesterday in Marina Del Rey. So now he's on the plane. He's flying back and he's thinking about her and yesterday. And he's like, dang, that was a good time yesterday. We did have a good time. But what what is he thinking about? What's the memory? Let's see. On a hidden beach under a golden sun She spread a blanket that we laid down on And loved the world's way In Marina Del Rey Okay, so he's thinking about a hidden beach under the golden sun she spread a blanket that we laid down on and love the world away. So he's saying we were out there in the middle of the daytime on the beach, hidden away, having sex on the beach with the sun glistening off our bodies and we were loving the world away. So what's he thinking about? He's on a plane headed home and he's like, man, I had a good time having sex yesterday. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. As we looked into each other's eyes and found our bodies lost in paradise Like castaways in Marina Del Rey Yeah, we were out on the beach looking in each other's eyes. We found our bodies lost in paradise, right? Okay, so they were in the midst of, of a sexual paradise. Uh, this California lady and this cowboy... Uh, he says he's going back to Tennessee, but George Strait's a Texas guy. And uh, so they're out there. They're just banging away out on the beach. And now we're listening to this, and we're like, wow, that's love, man. They're in love. And no, I don't think so. Let's keep going. It could be. could be love. Sounds like lust. I'm not saying it's not a beautiful song. Highs and lows. Love sometimes. 
times comes and goes away in Marina Del Rey. He said, like the ocean tides, highs and lows, love sometimes comes and goes. Uh, in Marina Del Rey. I think, you know, now he's like, he's home now, and he's like, well, that was a good time, but, you know, that happens every time I'm at Marina Del Rey. It comes and goes, you know? I'm George Strait. And as this plane is touching down, tears touch my eyes, for I have found my heart has stayed in Marina Del Rey. Well, he's crying now, so that's hard to say that's not love. But I still think lust can trick you into thinking you're in love. I mean, he's sad because he's like, man, I'm back in, I love Tennessee, but he's like, man, I'm back in Tennessee. And earlier, yesterday, I was on a beach, I was on a hidden beach under the golden sun on a spread it out blanket, loving the world away with a California lady. And uh, he's tearing up a bit. Let's see, let's see how he wraps it up. On a hidden beach under a golden sun She spread a blanket that we laid down on And loved the world away In Marina Del Rey And as we looked into each other's eyes We found our bodies lost in paradise I mean, I once made love uh, uh, under on a beach uh, on Sullivan's Island outside of Charleston, and uh, under in the dusk of the of the day, under a lighthouse. And there, we were not on a hidden beach at all. There were people around, but. Uh, uh, it was a good time. That may be too much of a share, but it was a good time. So I can't, you know, I mean, uh, never Marina Del Rey, but Sullivan's Island, as the uh, Jason Isabel would say in a song where the big ships roll in. Let's finish this song. Just see how he wraps it up. We said goodbye in Marina Del Rey. So it leads me to believe that uh, that this song, um, that they never got back together, which is similar to my story on the beach. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, that, that uh, I still know who that girl is, and she's married and has a couple of kids. And, uh, you know, this was years ago when we were, when we were both just kids. And uh, so the beach is fun, but I'm just saying... Not everything that looks like love is love. Sometimes it's lust. I'd say most times it's lust. And um, so I don't know how to, I don't know how you transition out of that into anything else, but uh, I'm going to have a little sip of water here, and uh, we're having a good time. I love that song, Marina Del Rey, is, is what I'm saying. There's another song by Keith Whitley called Miami. And I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll save that one for another day. Um, uh, I feel great today. I'm having a good time. Miami, Miami is what it's called by Keith Whitley. We'll play a little bit of it. This is another kind of California beach love story. Keith Whitley's great. I don't feel like he's, he's passed on, but I don't feel like he gets enough love. Well, 
Everybody talks about the California quakes But the first time I ever felt the earth shake Was in Miami When Amy touched me Oh, it shook me I told her I loved her and I wanted to stay But she said, be sure And I'll call you in L.A. Even in the taxi I could hear my telephone ring Calling me from Miami Miami What took you so long I thought you'd never call Miami Miami Miami, Miami Love me after all Okay, so, alright, so what's happening in this song? This guy went down to Miami, he's like, the first time I ever felt the earth shake was when Amy touched me. Oh, it shook me, he says. Oh, it shook me. So, uh, this guy is also in lust. He's like, dang, that was good. He's like, I, you know, I've been, been around, I've been around, but dang, when I went down to Miami, I got shook down there. <laughs> and he's like, I got to get back down to Florida. So... Uh, Florida's a good time. I do love the state of Florida. People love, like, it's such a hack joke now, but people love to make fun of Florida. Like, like a, a, a dude rescued his puppy from, from an alligator's mouth down in Florida with a cigar in his mouth the other day. Super awesome. And I saw people, like, sharing the post, and they would be like, well, sometimes the Florida man is a hero or whatever, and it's like, this weird idea that Florida is just this awful state where all these crazy things are going on blows my mind. Florida is a big, diverse state with a lot of different people that live there and a lot of different landscapes. You have the the west coast of Florida, the east coast of Florida, the basin of Florida. You have the inner parts of Florida. You have Florida that touches Alabama, that touches Georgia. I mean, there's a lot going on in Florida. And what a great state. I'll be in Tampa in March. I used to go to Tampa every December, and I hate that that's not happening this year. Hopefully, I can get that back next year. I love Tampa. And I, you know, I went to Sarasota also uh, right before the pandemic. Great time there. Uh, I love it. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, all right. So let's talk about this. You know, I don't want this to become, uh, you know, like, I never want this to become some kind of preaching podcast where I'm on here preaching to people. But you know what? I do. This is what happened. The other night I was at a club. This was, uh, I don't know, about three weeks ago. I don't know exactly when it was, but I was in a club and we were talking about the shutdowns. We were talking about the mass. We were talking about vaccines. And I started talking about the Bible because I'll bring up the Bible anywhere. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I, I like the Bible. Uh, I think the Bible's great. I think it gives us lots of great guidance. And I think it shows us a way to live. And I think that if we follow the way that it shows us how to live, if we're, if we're each doing this in our own individual lives, not telling other people how to live, but uh, sharing the ways that the Bible says to live, and then I think if we live that way, it is better for us. 
we live better lives uh, following the Bible. And I will read a couple of verses here as we go along. But so I started talking about it. And this one guy says, man, you're freaking me out. And that made me think, oh, has this guy never heard of the Mark of the Beast? Has he never heard of the chip that they've talked about? Because I think that's what happened is people are getting farther and farther away from the Bible, uh, either by choice or just by way of their raising. You know, it's like, I'm almost like I'm at an age now where it's like I should have kids, right? So it's like uh, my parents, and so a lot of people that might be listening, their grandparents, the baby boomers, I feel like they uh, were a bit less religious than the generation before them, right? People always say this. They always go, like I'll say, oh, music today is terrible, right? I'll say something like that, and then someone older than me will go, Oh, they say that every generation. Every generation thinks that the music today is so awful and it's such an old person thing to say, right? And maybe that's true, but it is worse every generation. I mean, more sexual, more telling us to do, like even country music, like country music that I love so much is all about getting drunk and having sex. Like, let's go down on the dirt road, we'll get drunk, and we'll have sex. Now, again, they disguise it as love. Oh, we're just in love down here, banging in the back of the truck. But you're not in love. You're in lust. Now, you could be in love, uh, but chances are, you know, if you're in high school or just out and you're driving on a back road and you got a a bottle of Boone's Farm, and you're, you know, you're banging in the back of a truck, you're in lust, right? And I'm not, I don't care what people do. You do whatever you want to do. But I'm just saying, that's what it is. So country, uh, rap, I mean, you know, old school rap, there was a lyric about getting busy in the Burger King bathroom, right? I think all music has always been about having sex, right? I mean, since since people realized that they, since men realized they could get women by having sex and women realizing they could get men, I mean, the old siren song, you know, people have been using music for sex, right? So Al Green is, has some beautiful music. Um, and uh, here, he, this is one that, that I love in particular. Uh, Al Green. Let me find. I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but um, I'm just trying to find the greatest hits. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, I I don't I don't know if it's on this one. Dang. Neither of the ones that I like are on this one. Okay, well, I'll never find it, but um, that's a shame, too. Oh, maybe it's on this one. No, it's not on this. This is a great one, though. Wow. Um, he just says, uh, I don't know. He gets really into the love song itself, you know, like, um, but... Al Green, I mean, I don't, I, I, I can't judge Al Green because I don't know what his marriage situation was like, but I got to imagine that Al Green was doing a lot of banging. 
You know what I mean? I got to think that he was. So when he sings a love song, a beautiful love song, you're like, oh, this is amazing. But did he believe the words is all I'm saying. So I think people have gotten just far from with each generation. You know, you had the baby boomers were a little less religious than their parents. And then uh, my generation, a little less religious than the baby boomers. And then this next generation is a little less religious than them. Now, I don't mean that people don't go to church because I think there are tons of people that go to church, but I really believe, and this is based on the amount of churches that I've been to, and I've been to so many churches, they've just become a social club. And I don't even people I don't even know that people realize that that's what it's become. I mean, so many of the holidays that we keep today are not the biblical holidays, and this is very upsetting to people. I realize that a lot of the things that I may say uh, on this podcast uh, about religion may be upsetting to people, but this all comes from me reading the Bible. In 2012, I quit drinking, and I started reading the Bible, and I started reading the Bible a different way. I, I, I broke the lens uh, that I was living under because this is what happens. You go to church, and your preacher tells you these things, or you were raised in a church where the preacher told you these things, and he learned them from somewhere. And so you begin to view Christianity through that lens of your preacher. And so when you read things in the Bible that don't seem to align up with what your preacher says, you say to yourself, well, I must be reading this wrong because this doesn't match up with what I believe. And so what happened to me is that when I came, um, when I quit drinking, I began to wake up and that lens was being broken away, and I started to be able to see things differently. And as I was reading the Bible, I no longer had that lens of my preacher, and I began to read and accept what I was reading for what it was. And I don't, I don't like to read, uh, and I used to read a lot of them, but I don't like to read books written by other Christians. Um, I know that people can have an insight. That's that's nice, but it's like I prefer to read the Bible and just, um, you know, and, and, you know, and talk to people and have conversations with people. But as far as just reading something, and it, it all seems so weak and watered down to me. Like, I remember the, reading a book, I think it was called Crazy Love or something like that by Francis Chan. I really liked the book. I really enjoyed it. But now I look back on that, and I'm just like, it just seems so watered down and, um, you know, I think they all had an impact on me in 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 a you know in a positive way, but I I don't like reading that kind of stuff now. So, but I don't think people are talking about the heavy stuff. People don't like to talk about heavy things in the Bible because it freaks them out. It scares them. Me personally, I think we ought to be a little freaked out sometimes. We need to have a jolt, and you know, and then God tells us not to be afraid. But I think we have to know what we're talking about, and so. That's why I thought, well, this should be something I talk about. And then I mentioned talking. Otherwise, I think after starting after starting doing the research, I think I would have been like, oh no, I don't, I don't need to go on my comedy podcast talking about the mark of the beast. But since I mentioned it, and then I got more messages from people than I normally get about them being excited about it, then I was like, well, now I got to do it. But So what I want to do is first just read in Revelation 
where it mentions the mark of the beast. And it's in Revelation chapter 13. And how about this? How many comedy podcasts out there are reading out of Revelation? Right? And 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 you may not like this. You may be listening and and not like this because I'm talking about the Bible and you're not religious. And that's okay. I don't want to offend you and I don't want to lose you as a listener. But you got to admit, who else out here is reading out of the Bible? I think it's a great time. I think it's very fun. So this is Revelation. And this is King James. I love King James. And this is also like an old King James that I found at the house. So I may not be able to read it well, but I'm going to try. This is Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. And, and let's, start with fifth, um, let's start with 15. And he had power, talking about the beast, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Um, so basically, that says to me that there's a beast, and you're going to have to worship the beast, or you're going to die. They'll kill you. And if you don't receive the mark in your right hand or forehead, then you will not be able to buy or sell anything. And... Uh, well, that's scary, uh, first off. And I think in times past, it's, it's been very difficult for someone to believe that how this thing would even go down. But throughout the years, and I've watched a few videos on this, but I've known a lot of this for a long time. But for, for many years, some believe that, you know, this, this mark would be a barcode that they could scan or even a tattoo of a barcode, which are both in existence these kind of almost invisible tattoos that you can scan to make purchases there's videos out there of those things existing uh some people think it would be an rfid chip which i don't ex i think that's a radio frequency identification chip which again and they say but there is videos out there of people having these rfid chips uh put into their right hand and then they can get through security at their work, and they have, you know, their medical records on there. If something happens to them, it can easily be scanned, and it could be connected to their bank account so they can buy things without having to, you know, worry about carrying a wallet. And this was a new one. Some This guy was saying some people think it would be like a 666 credit card that everybody would pick up, and I don't know about that. I had never heard that. Um, but recently... I've been hearing, you know, in these kind of talks, I've been hearing that people saying that about the mask or about the vaccine that will be coming out. And so I don't know what it will be. Um, I'm not saying that it's any of those things because no one knows. And uh, but what I do think is interesting is anytime something comes around to where it's like, and this always gives me, you know, gives me a little bit of a fear. 
is anytime something comes around where businesses are like, if you don't have this and whatever, if you don't have blank, you can't buy here or you can't attend here. And so it was a little scary when you start to see things like, um, I think it was Ticketmaster was like, we're not going to let people come to concerts unless they have the vaccine. And then some airline was like, no international flights unless you have the vaccine. So it is a little weird whenever you hear people start forcing those types of things. Uh, me personally, I don't think that it's any of these things. I mean, some people even think that like the iPhone, if you look at the, back, uh, the iPhone, the emblem is the Apple that's bitten out. People think that that is like the fall of man because it goes back to reference of Adam and Eve and the bitten apple or the bitten fruit. I don't think it actually uh, specifies that it's an apple. Um, but, and then there is an interesting thing that I found that if you go, you go on Google and type in uh, Apple logo alien and they've put two of those apples together and it looks like the head uh, of one of those gray aliens. Pretty freaky stuff. I don't think that the mask or the vaccine is that, and I am most certainly not giving any kind of medical advice. I mean, it, you know, and I want that to just be clear on anything. If you, want to, if you want to wear the mask, wear the mask. If you feel comfortable with a mask on as, a, as, as, a, as not wearing a mask, then wear the mask. I want you to. I want everyone to feel comfortable. Um, I, uh, you know, get a little freaked out when I hear talk uh, of the vaccine just in the sense that it's been, like, super fast. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, we got this thing out quick. And my understanding is normally it takes years and years and years and years of research. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So I don't, I'm not advising on any of that. But what, what I, I guess my thought about it is whenever... Uh, things like this begin to be introduced where it's like, you can't come in here unless you have this. Uh, it just, it, it scares me in a way that feels like we're being trained or conditioned to for something like that in the future. Like the less people know about the Bible and the more uh, they kind of give in to the demands of government, um, the scarier it gets. And, you know, so I'm just trying to talk about these things as lightly as I can uh, because, believe me, my mind goes much deeper. Uh, but I wanted to read these. I did find a couple of verses which talked about a different mark, and this would be from Deuteronomy. So the Old Testament, the first five books, meaning the uh, Torah, the first five books of the Bible is the Torah. So this is Deuteronomy Chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And these words, uh, this is from God. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as the frontlets between thine eyes. So if you read that, um, bind them for a sign in thy hand, 
and the frontlets of thine eyes, if you read that and then you go back and it says in Revelation, and that no man might uh, buy or sell, oh, here we go, um, receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. It seems like the same place that God is giving us a mark for people that believe and people that follow the commandments of God. And I just think that's interesting. And then one more, if you go back even further, still in the Torah, but Exodus 13.9, it says, And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth, for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. And and that's after Passover. That's in regards to Passover. So I just think it interesting that you have the mark of the beast that can be in the right hand and the forehead, and then the mark of God that can be in the right hand and the forehead. And the mark of God seems to be, based on Torah, based on Old Testament stuff, it seems to be following the commandments of God, which people speak very strongly against. People get very mad when you talk about following the commandments of God because they think that somehow you're undermining Jesus. And I just don't think that's the case at all. And I this is a much deeper, I mean, Believe me, I I want to really get into this, but I would prefer if I had some group of live people that we could uh, have a conversation. Um, But I do think it's interesting. If you go back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6 through 8, um, if you go back a little bit to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Which, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment, he said, uh, you know, to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. So I just think that's interesting that he pulled that from Deuteronomy, which is just before saying, you know, my laws and my commandments should be on your heart, and you should bind them in your hand. And that, so it's like, almost like saying that the mark of God God being able to look and know who his people are is the people that are following his commandments and doing what he's saying to do. And I think the only way to know what those are is to read the first five books of the law. I mean, the first five books of the Bible are the Torah. That is God's law to man. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's what everything else hinges off of. And I just think that's important. And I think that you know, and I guess this message is mainly just to Christians that, you know, if you have not been following them, and this is not something that you've ever heard, I'm open to people emailing me at dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com. I always read the emails. Even if I don't respond, I always read them, and I always appreciate them. And I am into this. I'm into this kind of conversation, and I'm not into this for any uh, kind of thing other than that I love to talk about it and I enjoy the discussion. I feel like that I could talk about this with anyone without ever offending them. I think sometimes if, you know, like if I'm in a room like this and there's no one that I'm directly talking to, it can seem like that I'm just 
you know, preaching or being like, we got to do this and be afraid of this. And I don't think we should be afraid of anything. But I think that if you are a Christian, I think that it's worth it to you to read the Torah, read the first five books. Genesis is an amazing book of the Bible. It, it truly is amazing. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's an easy read. I was always told that if I don't read the Bible, you know, if I'm not a reader of the Bible and I want to get into it, that I should read, you know, I should start with Psalms or I should start with Proverbs because they're easier to read. Um, and they are easy to read, but Genesis is very easy to read. I recommend Genesis, King James Version. Uh, you'll get used to the these and the thous and the thines, and uh, before you know it, you'll be right into it. And um, and then as you get into Exodus, ex- I mean, so you learn about the whole history of you know of the world according to the Bible, um, and you you learn about you know Noah and um, you know, and then you go to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph going into Egypt, and then in in you know when you pick up in Exodus, now the Jews people the people of uh, uh, Jacob, because Jacob was named Israel, you learn about, uh, you know, the Israelites going into Egypt and uh, going and, and becoming slaves and how they became slaves in Egypt. And then you read about Moses. Exodus is all about Moses getting the Jews out of Egypt. And then Leviticus comes, and Leviticus has got a lot of stuff in there that is hard to read, but you'll you know, you, you, you make it through those and then you'll get to stuff on the laws and you'll find stuff in there you don't like. I mean, it's not all pleasant. I'm not saying that every, I'm not saying that everything you read in there, you're going to be like, oh, but uh, I, I don't think that we can argue with God. I mean, if we believe that there is a creator, it's kind of tough to be like, all right, I believe you created me, but I'm not following this. And a lot of things are difficult to accept. And I mean, there's things, you know, but I, I'm just suggesting reading it for the fun of it. And then you'll go into numbers, uh, which numbers has always been a difficult one for me, uh, not as interesting. Uh, And then uh, Deuteronomy, which is uh, kind of Moses reiterating things to the people that he's been walking around the desert with for 40 years, uh, reiterating things to them as um, as they are about to enter into the promised land. And they're a lot of fun. And I think that once you read those, then it's easier to understand what Jesus is talking about because Jesus often references these Old Testament verses because there, were, there was no New Testament during his time. And then when you get into Paul, you will also understand what Paul, because a lot of New Testament Christians use Paul to justify um, you know, any of their actions, anything that they want to do that they feel like is okay to do, they'll use Paul to justify it. And I, I think there are a lot of difficult things to understand. I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers, but I do try to, you know, research and understand what I'm reading. I was asked the question of, you know, how do you, uh, with the Old Testament being an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and Jesus saying, turn the other cheek, how can you justify those things. And, and I don't know, that is a difficult one, but I will say this, there are a lot of things in the old Testament where God will say, if a person does this, you should stone them to death. Right. 
And then when Jesus is there with, um, uh, with people from the church and uh, they're like, this woman is a whore, we need to stone her to death, Jesus says to them, okay, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And I think that is Jesus's way, and this is my own interpretation, but I think that's Jesus's way of being like, yeah, that is what God told you to do, and God's word is perfect, but all of you in this group, probably in the world, are guilty of stonable sins. So if you're going, so whoever among you is not guilty of a stonable sin, then stone this woman. And they said that Jesus took a stick and wrote in the dirt. And some people speculate that Jesus was writing down the sins that they were guilty of. And so they saw that and they were like, oh no. And so no one stoned this lady. So I I, kind of think it's that sort of thing. Where, um, you know, I think that we, uh, you know, and I could be wrong about this too, but I, there was a book called Wild at Heart that I really enjoyed. And it just talked about kind of Christians not being weak, not being so weak all the time and standing up for themselves. And, and you know, I think turn the other cheek um, makes it seem like that we're never supposed to take a stand for ourselves, that we're always supposed to be weak and we're never supposed to stand up for ourselves. And I think the eye for an eye is like, hey, you know, if somebody comes along and does this to you, um, you know, don't don't let that happen. Don't be taken advantage of that way. I and you know, and again, I don't I don't know all the answers and uh, nor would I ever claim to. I don't know. I wrote down another thing here, and I don't know why I wrote that down. I was just, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense to what I've been talking about. So, um, I'm, I'm way over here norm- on what I normally do. Uh, but I, uh, I, I welcome any emails or questions, uh, dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com, because I want to talk about these things. I'm into it. But, you know, I, I want to do it from a standpoint of, uh, you know, because I think that if, if, if any of these things that I'm saying are like, and you're a Christian and they're like on your heart, I always say pray about it. You know, you, you go and you pray and you sit in silence and you pray for understanding and you pray for your eyes to, because Jesus always says there, uh, uh, who, who, he who has eyes to see or ears to hear. And I think that means that, you know, we all have eyes and ears with a few exceptions of blind people and deaf people, but we all have eyes and ears so we can all see and we can all hear. But I think he's saying, can you see what I'm talking about? Can you hear the words that I'm saying? Do you understand the meaning? And I think so often we don't. We hear things, but we don't understand the meaning. And a lot of that is due to the fact that we are so clouded with information. We are overwhelmed with information, and a lot of it is disinformation. No matter what news source you're getting from, a lot of it is disinformation because I think I I always feel like that the people that are in control of us have no interest in losing that control. 
So knowledge is power. And um, I think, um, you know, a lot of people have said that the Bible was written as a way to control people. And I just don't think so. I think uh, the Bible is freedom. I think that there's nothing in here that could be used to control anyone. There's some verse that people use about submitting to government, but, and then they'll say, render to Caesar what Caesar's. And um, I don't know. I just don't think that there's anything that could be used to control people. And I also think that that is all based on the type of verses, uh, the versions of the Bible that you use too. I mean, I had a friend of mine, he, me and him used to go on a lot of road trips and he was talking to me about certain Bible verses and he was getting them from a website called evilbible.com. And he would go to this website and he would bring up a verse to me. And it would always be in the NIV version, the New International Version, and he would read them to me, and I'd be like, wow, that really does sound pretty evil. And then I would go read the same verse in King James, and I would be like, oh, well, it, does, it's not, it doesn't read the same at all in here. So, um, but you know, I'm not interested in, in, in being challenged and people attacking me, but I, I am interested always in genuine discussion. I, I really love that, and I think that I, the church is asleep in a lot of ways. And I, there are some people out there, but, um, I think it's asleep in a lot of ways. And I think that the, the, the country could truly benefit from some real Christians out there really doing that. Cause people always say, I always hear people say this, like, Oh, where are the Christians? Whenever you, whenever this happens or this happens, and like, and it's like the Christians are always there. Whenever there's a natural disaster, whenever there's anything that goes down, the Christians are always there. But I think that um, people need uh, spiritual help as well. I think the physical help is always nice when there's a natural disaster and people show up and they bring food and water, and, and, and that's always great. But I think people uh, need, need spiritual stuff as well. So uh, I had a great time. Uh, someone emailed me and said that last week my podcast was a little darker than normal, and I don't mean for it to be dark, as I've said, but I also – uh, never knew there would be a global pandemic that would put me in the kind of position that I'm in right now to feel like that I need to share things with people like this. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate all my listeners. And uh, you guys are great. Thank you. And we're having a good time. <laughs>